Our uh, second scripture reading today comes to us from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. You can find it on page 1,826 of your pew Bible. Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. These are the inspired words of God. May they produce a boldness for Christ in you. For the past eight years, Pastor Jin Tianming has been under the watchful eye of the Chinese government. In 2009, he was asked to have his church become part of the government-sanctioned three-self church. Because these communist leaders control what can and cannot be preached, there is no way for a pastor to remain faithful to the gospel message once they join. Pastor Jin loves Jesus and his church too much to cave under the pressure. And because of his refusal to join, the church was shut down in an effort to stop him. This, however, did not prevent these Christians from meeting, for they continued to gather for worship outdoors. Then, in 2011, the crackdown became more intense. As Pastor Jin and his wife, they were put under house arrest. They are now closely guarded by three government agents. And their contact with the outside world is very limited. The rest of the church continues to face harassment. And they now have to meet secretly in smaller groups from house to house. It was Tertullian who said these words. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And living in the second century AD, he would have had firsthand experience in this. And as we read today, this was Paul's account to the church in Philippi as well. Now, if you recall from last week, we learned that Paul held these Philippian church, uh, these brothers in Christ, dear to his heart. For they had partnered with him in the gospel from the first day. And they continued to be loyal to him, even though he was now stuck in prison. So every time Paul thought about these believers, it gave him great joy. For he saw God's sanctifying work in their life. 
To that end, he prayed for God to continue this work by increasing their knowledge and their depth of insight concerning God and his saving work. And then Paul now continues this letter by giving a missionary report to this church. You see, these believers, they had invested in Paul and in his ministry. So they had a right to know what had been happening. Yet Paul, he he didn't share these things in the hopes of getting more money from them, but rather out of a genuine respect for this family of Christians who were so committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in essence, Paul's desire was to reassure them that his imprisonment had not hindered the advancement of the gospel. On the contrary, it had bolstered it instead. To that end, as Christians, persecution should not be seen as an opportunity of discouragement, but rather as an opportunity for the gospel to spread. It's not a disadvantage. This is the thrust of this section that we read today. With that in mind, let's take a closer look at the text and see what we can learn. Look at verse 12 with me. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Despite what looked to be sour circumstances, Paul gives two great reasons why his imprisonment was a blessing in disguise. The first we see in verse 13. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. In other words, the name of Christ had become known throughout the whole palace guard. Now the Greek word that Paul uses to describe palace guard here is praetorio. This was a praetorian guard that served under Caesar. They, cons- they, they consisted of several thousand Italian soldiers, free men, who were some of the empire's best fighters. And these weren't your normal soldiers. They were highly paid. Thus, they remained loyal to their patron. An equivalent that we could come up with for today would be the secret service agents who serve at the White House and are willing to take a bullet for the president. These praetorian soldiers understood what it meant to be dedicated, and they knew how to sacrifice for a greater cause. Yet now, they are witnessing a man with as much, if not more, dedication than they. You see, a more literal translation of verse 13 could be read as such. So that my chains in Christ have become manifest to all the praetorian guard and to all the rest. It was with their ears that these guards heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was with their eyes that they saw the chains that were restraining the man proclaiming this message. Paul, this 
slave of Christ Jesus, was a visible manifestation of the power of the gospel. The Praetorian Guards, they devoted themselves to Caesar, partly because they believed in Rome, but also because they got paid really well. Yet in Paul, they saw a devotion that defied reasoning. For even though this man was in chains, he relentlessly served his master. Either he was crazy, or the good news that he preached was true. The second blessing that came about from Paul's imprisonment was the impact that it had on other believers. Look at verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Many were becoming bold witnesses. Paul's suffering did not discourage them. Rather, it emboldened them. Through Paul's example, they saw a man who was living for something greater than himself. For them, Paul's message had suddenly become strikingly real. You see, once they saw that the shackles did not dissuade his voice, they in turn took courage and spoke out as well. In America, we have the luxury of the First Amendment. We can speak our minds freely about anything we want, not fearing government retaliation. We can share the gospel message without worry of repercussions. Yet sometimes I wonder if such a luxury stifles the message. Let me explain. First, it is difficult for those around us to understand the sincerity of our words, for there's nothing at risk. We have nothing to lose. Now, don't get me wrong. There is power in God's word. It is better to share in freedom than to not share under persecution. But when the message comes at the cost of personal freedom, or even at the risk of death, that speaks volumes to those who listen. Second, there are many people today who claim to be Christians, but never speak the gospel to those around them. This sends a mixed message to the world. If the death and resurrection of Jesus was really that important, Shouldn't all of his followers be telling other people about it? I'm afraid that in our freedom we have grown apathetic. And thus, the gospel has been hindered in our country. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you spoke of Christ's death and resurrection to an unbeliever? How important is this message of salvation to you? Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. 
The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. In Paul's words, we find something interesting here. Not all who proclaim Christ do so out of pure motives. Now the question often arises is this, were these envious preachers true believers or not? Third century father Cyprian had this to say concerning this passage. Paul was not speaking of heretics, he was speaking of brethren, whether at walking disorderly and against the discipline of the church or as keeping the truth of the gospel with the fear of God. While Cyprian lived much closer to the day of Paul than, than we, he came roughly 150 years later, and we're not sure how he would have known such a thing. And really, it's hard to determine from Paul's writing whether or not these were Christians or unbelievers preaching this message. But really, it does not matter one way or the other, for that is not the point of why Paul included this. The fact of the matter is there are those who preach Christ out of a love for him and then there are those who preach for their own benefit whether it is financial gain or prestige or trying to gather a following. In essence these preachers they were preaching out of jealousy of Paul and trying to gather a following after themselves and to that end they believed that as the gospel message spread, it would add pressure to Paul's chains. Yet these chains also brought about boldness in those who were loyal to Jesus. Just as Paul defended the gospel, so now these brave Christians did so as well. His suffering had spurred on a greater and greater witness. And that was all that mattered to Paul. Look at verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. For Paul, motives mattered not. The important thing was that Christ was preached. This is what brought him joy. Remember, Paul, he introduced himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. This is the attitude that he now takes. Jesus is his master. So what is important to him is that Jesus is proclaimed. If the thing that would bring Christ the most prestige was Paul in chains, then so be it. If the message of the gospel was spread through human pride and sinfulness, what was that to Paul? Now don't misunderstand him here. He is not promoting pragmatism. This wasn't a case where these preachers were doing anything and everything trying to bolster the numbers in their congregation. From all indications, these jealous preachers stayed faithful to the message and the practice of the church. 
Yet it was their love for themselves and not a love for Christ and for others that motivated them. But God is greater than anyone's motives. And he is mightier than any prison door. The gospel cannot be defeated through the use of chains. And it certainly cannot be stopped by an evil heart. In his providence, God will rescue his sheep. The doctrine of God's providence has been lost on society today. God's providence is this notion that God is in control even over the little things in life, orchestrating everything as he works out his purposes. This means that God can use both the good and the evil acts of human beings to bring about his plans. We saw this when we studied through the book of Daniel, did we not? God used the wicked rulers of this world to not only bring judgment upon idolatrous Judah, but also to restore Judah back to the promised land, readying the world for the Messiah. What wicked men meant for evil, God meant for good. This is how Paul views his chains. In God's providence, the gospel was going forth. The chains that were supposed to suppress the message acted like a megaphone instead. Even the wicked hearts of men were being used to advance God's kingdom. And for that, Paul rejoiced. This is the case for all those who are persecuted for their faith in Christ. Their joy comes from the knowledge that God is providentially expanding his kingdom through their suffering. Pastor Jin in China could have easily caved to the demands of the three-self church. He could have his freedom today if he so chose. Yet he remains in chains for Christ because he has his focus on Jesus and on the lost. This is how we should pray for the persecuted church in our time. Not that their persecution would go away, but that they would be bold witnesses for Christ in the midst of their tribulation. Pastor Jin, he doesn't need a way out of persecution. What he needs is courage in order that the chains of Christ might become manifest to the communist guards that surround him. His church is just one of many churches that is under the threat of real persecution throughout our world today. And Pastor Jin is just one of many pastors in China who, in the face of imprisonment or even death, will not deny Christ. Though it is difficult to remain a faithful Christian under such circumstances, the church in China is one of the fastest growing churches in the world today. They are on track to becoming the largest Christian nation by the year 2030. Think about that. Communist China. 
the largest Christian nation in the world. As Americans, this teaching, it's not easy for us to wrap our minds around. We don't know persecution. To advance the gospel, we think we need to be winsome and pleasant. We don't like to rock the boat. We tell someone that God loves them. And we think we did our job. Listen to Paul's words from our first scripture reading again. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. There was a reason that Paul was in chains. The gospel message is invasive to many. This mindset that we have in America of safe spaces of not being offensive. It goes against God's call on the life of a Christian. Paul wasn't in prison because he was telling people that God loved them. His chains were there because he told people that they were sinners and that they needed to repent. He told them that Jesus was the only way of salvation. The message hasn't changed. People are perishing. They are steeped in their sins, and they are judged by God. And unless they repent and trust in Jesus, they will face God's wrath for all eternity. Friends, Jesus died for you. He was nailed to the cross for your sins. The punishment that you deserve was placed upon his head. And when he breathed his last, he did that for you. Yet Christ rose from the dead three days later. He defeated death. He ascended to the Father in heaven. And he now intercedes on your behalf. Let's stop following America's rules and be bold witnesses for Jesus. Just because we have this luxury of free speech, it should not mean that we soften our tone. The true saving message, it will offend people. You cannot get around that fact. Will you be bold for Christ? Paul's chains brought boldness 
to the church. And for that, he rejoiced. What will it take for you to speak up? Let us pray. Father, we confess that we are not like Paul. We don't yet view ourselves as slaves to you. We are not willing to suffer even a mild form of persecution for your kingdom. We ask that you would change our hearts, Lord. Use your Holy Spirit to move us from apathy to zeal. Wake us from our slumber as we reflect upon your Son and the sacrifice that he made for us. Help us to set aside our own pride. Let us be willing to put on shame for the sake of our neighbors. Make our witness bold, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.